Worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. Where did worship leading come from? Who were the first worship leaders? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Today we're in part one of our multi-part series, Who Were the First Worship Leaders? We're going to talk about the history of worship in the Bible. But before we get there, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free PDF called 25 Chart Topping Arrangement Tricks. If you have a song you've been working on with your team that's good, but you think there might be another gear that it could get to, download this chart. It gives you 25 great ideas for ways to make your song more interesting. It gives you a couple sentences about why that trick works, and then it gives you a song from the radio where you can hear the trick in action. Again, go to my website or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. All right, let's talk about the history of worship leading. When God led Israel out of Egypt, there were 12 tribes of families that made up the whole nation of Israel. And today we're going to focus on the tribe of Levi, which was the priestly tribe. But how they got there is quite a story. We're going to start with the birth of Levi. Levi had a rough start in life. Levi's dad is Jacob, right? You know, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, Jacob agrees to work for Laban for seven years in order to marry his daughter, Rachel. Well, Rachel has a sister, an older sister named Leah, who the Bible records as having weak eyes, whereas Rachel was lovely in form. So here's the problem. After seven years, Laban tricks Jacob and gives Leah to Jacob instead. Well, Jacob then agrees to work another seven years in order to marry Rachel. So he ends up marrying Rachel and Leah. Well, Jacob loves Rachel more than he loves Leah. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 29, starting at verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. That word Levi comes from the Hebrew word Levah, which means to attach, which is why she named him Levi. But it's more than that. It means to twist into or to twine or to glue. We can see from the story that Leah had a rough go of it too. Her father Laban treated her like a commodity and traded her in for seven years of Jacob's labor. And she still had that spirit of rejection. She was trying to buy the love of her husband Jacob by bearing him children. We're like, okay, now on the third one, maybe instead of just being married to him, I can actually be attached to him. Maybe he will love me and glue to me and not just be married legally. So that's a pretty rough start for Levi to have your name be a constant reminder that, oh yeah, my mom is the unloved one in the family. Well, then things go from bad to worse. When they get older, Levi and Simeon, the two brothers, they have a sister, Dinah, who is raped by a man named Shechem. And so Simeon and Levi conspire against Shechem and his family and end up killing all of the men. 
it's a pretty gruesome story. You can go to Genesis 34 if you want to read it. But what happens is that it forces Jacob and the whole family to flee from the area. Well, later on, Jacob prophesies over all of his sons before he dies, and he's not kind to Levi and Simeon. Here we are in Genesis 49, where Jacob prophesies about his sons. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly, for they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger, so fierce and their fury, so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. So by the time Levi is grown, he has three strikes against him. Number one, he's the son of an unloved woman. Number two, he's a violent man of the sword. And number three, he's cursed by his own father to be scattered in Israel and not have any land to his name, not have any place for his family. But the beautiful thing about the story of Levi is that God redeems all three of those curses in one story. Here we are in Exodus. Most of us probably know the story of the golden calf. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments and the law from the Lord. Meanwhile, Israel goes crazy. They make a golden calf and they start worshiping it instead. Moses comes back down and he is furious. And that's where we pick up in chapter 32 of Exodus. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth throughout the camp from end to end, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did it as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. That's a pretty gruesome story, but it reveals something about the Levites. Because when Moses comes to the entrance of the tent and says, Whoever is for the Lord, rally to me. If you look it up in the Hebrew, he actually only says two words. He says, Jehovah Ben. Jehovah is obviously the the name of the Lord, but the word Ben means son, and it means son as in the builder of a family. Like Levi is the son, but he is the builder of the entire Levite tribe. And so all Moses has to say is Jehovah's sons, and something in the Levites stands up and they all rally to Moses. They're so zealous for the honor of God that when God, that when Moses says, who is for the Lord? Who are the sons of God? They, they immediately snap to, they say, yes, we're right here with you. Then, of course, he commands them to take the sword and commit genocide over their own people, their own flesh and blood. But it shows that they love the Lord so much and they're so zealous for his honor that they would choose him over their own family. And that's what qualified them for the blessing that Moses gave them later. So let's go to Numbers and look at what that blessing is. Here we are in Numbers chapter 1, and this large census of all of the families and tribes of Israel has been taken. But we pick it up in verse 47. The families of the tribe of Levi, however, were not counted along with the others. The Lord had said to Moses, You must not count the tribe of Levi or include them in the census of the other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the testimony, over all its furnishings and over everything belonging to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They are to take care of it and encamp around it. 
Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the, Levi, the Levites are to take it down, and whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall do it. Anyone else who goes near it shall be put to death. So now the Lord blesses the tribe of Levi with this amazing honor and privilege. They are now the priests. They're in charge of taking the tabernacle wherever the glory cloud goes throughout the desert. They're to minister to the Lord and to take all of the furnishings, the lampstand and all the rest of it. That's the Levite's job. And when they get to the promised land, unlike every other tribe that's given a portion of Israel, hey, this region is Judah, this region is Simeon, this region is Benjamin, Levi doesn't have their own portion because they're scattered all the way throughout Israel, but they are the priests who come to worship and minister at the temple. And so there we've seen all three strikes against Levi redeemed by God in one story. The first one is his name. His very name is a negative, right? Leah is saying, oh, I, maybe this third child will actually allow Jacob to love me, to attach to me. And so that attach word was longing unfulfilled. But God redeems that because in that moment when Moses said Jehovah's sons, the tribe of Levi attaches themselves to the Lord and the Lord sees it and honors it and said, yes, you Levi will now attach to me above all of the other tribes. So that's strike one, redeemed. Strike two is the violence of Levi, right? Taking it out on Shechem and and killing all of those men. Now God says, I'm going to use that as well, because I want you to be so jealous for my honor that you would choose me even over your own family. I've redeemed that as well. The third is the prophecy, or really the curse, that Jacob levels against Levi. Jacob says, you will be scattered throughout Israel. Well, that happened, except that it wasn't in dishonor, it was in honor. What an amazing thing that God can take three things, and one thing so permanent as your name, and change it to be an honor rather than a dishonor. That's a wonderful story, but how does it relate to us as worship leaders today? Well, first, you should know that your family history is not your destiny. If you have things in your background that you're not proud of, and we all do, whether or not we know it, Know that God can take whatever was meant as a curse and turn it around and make it a blessing, even if that curse came from your own father. God doesn't care. The second thing that worship leaders need to understand from this story is what God expects of those who serve him. The very name Levi, embedded in the DNA of that tribe, is the word attach. And for those who feel called to be worship leaders today, it's the same of us. We are not defined by our musical ability. We're not defined by how good our singing voices are or what we're like when we play the bass or the guitar. It's about our attachment, our love for the Lord, the thing that says, I belong to you and nothing can tear me away from that. Hey, I hope that episode helps. There's much more to talk about with the Levites, but we'll leave that for other episodes. Hey, make sure to go to my website if you need help with your arrangements or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Until next time, God bless and goodbye.